Hey, faithful listener, welcome to season six of the Bible Explained podcast, the podcast where the Bible gets explained. So grab your cup of coffee and enjoy today's discussion from the book of Judges. Good morning, friends and faithful listeners. This is Jen here with the Bible Explained podcast. You guys are never going to guess what I did on Wednesday. I went to a women's tea party. Yeah, and I drank tea. And I have to say, I kind of enjoyed it. I thought it was really cute. The lady who hosted it, who, by the way, has been on the podcast before. Hi, Beth. She did such a great job. She had different little tea cups and tea platters and a whole bunch of like morning snacks and then different types of tea that you could sample. And I ended up trying like two two different types of tea. And I have to say, I, I really thought it was very charming. I thought it was extremely charming. But you better believe that after I left that little tea party, I went over to McDonald's and I grabbed myself a cup of coffee. (laughs) I was actually developing like a headache and I'm like, okay, this is going to get worse if I don't actually drink any coffee. So I just went over to McDonald's and grabbed myself a cup of coffee. So grab your coffee this morning and let's go ahead and read Judges chapter 9 verses 1 through 21. This is going to be talking about Abimelech. And how he is crowned as king, the very first king of Israel. So I'll be reading this out of the W.E.B. Abimelech, the son of Jerubbabel, went to Shechem to his mother's brothers and spoke with them and with all the family of the house of his mother's father, saying, Please speak in the ears of all the men of Shechem. Is it better for you that all the sons of Jerubbabel, who are 70 persons, rule over you, or that one rule over you? Remember also that I am your bone and your flesh. His mother's brothers spoke of him in the ears of all the men of Shechem, all these words. Their hearts inclined to follow Abimelech, for he said, he is our brother. They gave him 70 pieces of silver out of the house of Baal-bareth, with which Abimelech hired vain and reckless fellows who followed him. He went to his father's house at Ophrah and killed his brothers, the son of Jerubbabel, being 70 persons on one stone. But Jotham, the youngest son of Jerubbabel, was left, for he hid himself All the men of Shechem assembled themselves together with all the house of Milo and went and made Abimelech the king by the oak of the pillar that was in Shechem. When they told it to Jotham, he went and stood on the top of Mount Gerizim and lifted up his voice, cried out and said to them, listen to me, you men of Shechem, that God may listen to you. The trees set out to anoint a king over themselves. They said to the olive tree, reign over us. But the olive tree said to them, Should I stop producing my oil, with which they honor God and man by me, and go to wave back and forth over the trees? The trees said to the fig tree, Come and reign over us. But the fig tree said to them, Should I leave my sweetness and my good fruit, and go to wave back and forth over the trees? The trees said to the vine, Come and reign over us. The vine said to them, Should I leave my new wine, which cheers God and man, and go to wave back and forth over the trees? Then all the trees said to the bramble, Come and reign over us. The bramble said to the trees, If in truth you anoint me king over you, then come and take refuge in my shade. And if not, let fire come out of the bramble and devour the cedars of Lebanon. Now therefore, if you have dealt truly and righteously, in that you have made Abimelech king, and if you have dwelt well with Jerubbabel and his house, and have done to him according to the deserving of his hands, for my father fought for you, risked his life and delivered you out of the hand of Midian. And you have risen up against my father's house today and have slain his sons, 70 persons on one stone, and have made Abimelech, the son of his female servant, 
king over the men of Shechem, because he is your brother. If you then have dwelt truly and righteously with Jerubbabel and with his house today, then rejoice in Abimelech, and let him rejoice also in you. But if not, let fire come out of Abimelech and devour the men of Shechem and the house of Milo, and let fire come out from the men of Shechem and from the house of Milo and devour Abimelech. Jotham ran away and fled and went to Bear and lived there for fear of Abimelech, his brother. So you guys remember Gideon? He was the guy in the last chapter that helped defeat Midian. And Gideon had two names, actually. He had the name Gideon, and he also had the name Jerubbabel or Jerubbaal. I'm not really sure how to pronounce it, but I've been saying Jerubbabel this whole time. But anyway, Gideon ended up having a ton of sons. And you'll remember from the last chapter that Gideon actually told the people that he didn't want to become their king. But he's living this like kingly lifestyle. He has all these wives. He has all these sons. He has, you know, all this wealth. Even though he said with his mouth that he didn't want to become the king, his actions proved otherwise. And fun fact, Abimelech, this son that we're going to talk about here, actually means the son of a king. So So Gideon, even though he said he didn't want to become the king, he basically acted and lived as the Israelite king. So Gideon ends up having all these sons. And we know that he has 70 legal sons. It's actually important to note that Abimelech was not included in those 70 sons that Gideon had. Actually, it's possible that Gideon had more than 70 sons by concubines that are not listed in scripture. It's possible anyway. I don't want to say that he did or did not. But because Abimelech is not included in the count of the 70, because Abimelech did have a concubine mother, it's possible that Gideon did have other concubines as well. But anytime we see a man having more than one wife in scripture, there's always a serious problem associated with that. And that should be proof enough that polygamy is not the design that God has intended for humanity. It's pretty clear that God intended for one man and one woman, as is laid out very clearly in scripture. And anything that falls outside of that original design that God had for people is going to cause a lot of problems. And so Gideon having all of these wives and all of these concubines and whoever else, this turns into a massive, massive problem for him. But anyway, in the last chapter that we discussed, Judges 8, Gideon ends up dying. Doesn't seem like soon after Gideon is buried that Gideon's son Abimelech starts rising up against his half-brothers, Gideon's legal sons. So it says in verse 1, Abimelech, the son of Jerubbabel, went to Shechem to his mother's brothers. So Shechem was actually where Abimelech's mother lived. Abimelech's mother was a concubine to Gideon. And Shechem, fun fact, was in the tribe of Ephraim. And it was also a Levitical city. And it was supposed to be a sanctuary city as well, or a city of refuge for people who accidentally committed crimes. They could flee there and have a fair trial. It's just kind of funny that Shechem was supposed to be a sanctuary city, but we see so much uh, trouble stirring up here now with Abimelech that a sanctuary city that is supposed to focus on peace ends up becoming a very corrupt and uh, violent area because of Abimelech. 
So it says Abimelech goes back to Shechem to talk to his mother's brothers and all of his mother's household. And so he's basically like, okay, look, you guys, you know, would you rather have me, your own flesh and blood ruling over you? Or do you want Gideon's other 70 sons ruling over you? (laughs) And so because Abimelech was a family member, all of Abimelech's family and all of the city of Shechem decides to go with Abimelech. They're like, you're right, Abimelech. You know, you're the one that should rule over us because you're our own flesh and blood is what it says. Here is the audacity with this speech, though. What made Abimelech think that any of Gideon's sons would become the ruler over Israel after Gideon had died? Gideon was not supposed to be a king. There was no monarchy here. And yet Abimelech had it in his mind that one of Gideon's sons must be the next king. So that just goes to show you how much Gideon thought of himself as a king that Abimelech believed that one of Gideon's sons would rule as a king. So the second Gideon dies, Abimelech jumps on that and he's just like, well, you know, I should be the king. I should be the next king. (laughs) It's just there's so much audacity here because God, Yahweh, was supposed to be the king. But Abimelech decides that he's going to be the next king. So in verse four, the men of Shechem give Abimelech like a startup fund. (laughs) It says they give him 70 pieces of silver out of the house of Baal Bareth. I do not know what house that is, but I would imagine it was a family in this area of Shechem that gave him this startup money. So Abimelech takes these 70 pieces of silver And he hires some terrible men, is what it says. It actually says they were vain and reckless fellows. So so Abimelech hires these terrible friends that he has to like follow him, basically. And so he tells these men that he hires, he's like, okay, guys, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go over to Gideon's hometown, which is Ophrah. And we're going to go kill my uh, half-brothers, all 70 of them. So let's go kill all of my half-brothers. And so that very day, they go and they kill the 70 sons of Jerubbabel. It says in verse 5, Abimelech, along with his creepy minions, go over to his father's house at Ophrah, and they killed his brothers, the son of Jerubbabel, or Gideon, being 70 persons on one stone. But it says, but Jotham, the youngest son of Jerubbabel, was left, for he hid himself Now, here's another interesting thing about this is Jotham, this young son who fled the scene. It actually doesn't seem like this kid is included in Gideon's original 70 sons because it mentions multiple times that 70 persons were killed. Multiple times throughout this chapter. But yet it does not include Jotham as part of this. So here's my idea on this one. I don't know if this is true or not, and this is extra biblical. I'm just going to say that right out. This is my own opinion. Uh, But to me, since Abimelech is not included in the account of the 70 sons, perhaps Jotham was another son that Gideon had that was from a different consort. That's what I would guess. That's what makes the most sense to me. I'm not sure about that, though. It does say that Abimelech killed 
his 70 brothers, though, all on one stone. But Jotham, the youngest, escaped and hid himself. So after this, Abimelech returns home and is crowned king in Shechem. So everybody thinks that Saul, the Saul of the Old Testament, not the New Testament, was the first king of Israel. But actually, Abimelech technically was crowned the first king of Israel. And he was not, in my mind, a legitimate king. I don't think that this was a true ceremony. But nonetheless, he was crowned king in the area of Shechem. And the Shechemites decided to follow Abimelech as their king. So here's what it says in verse 5. Or I'm sorry, verse six, it says all the men of Shechem assembled themselves together with the house of Milo. I don't know what that house is either. And they went and made Abimelech the king by the oak of the pillar that was in Shechem. So the oak of the pillar, that's something that Joshua set up as a memorial to God, actually. So it's kind of a shame that Abimelech, this terrible guy who just killed his 70 brothers out of competition, It's pretty sad that that is the place that these Shechemites choose to crown Abimelech as king, because this place was supposed to be sacred. So Abimelech is crowned king, and it says in verse 7, when they told it to Jotham, remember the young boy that escaped, one of the brothers that escaped, it says that Jotham went and stood on the top of Mount Gerizim and lifted up his voice and cried out and said to them, listen to me, you men of Shechem, that God may listen to you. So this young son, I don't know how young he was, by the way. He could have been actually decently old at this point. Jotham goes and stands on top of Mount Gerizim so that his voice like projects. And also he would be far enough away so that Abimelech and Abimelech's cronies couldn't get to him very easily. So Jotham stands on top of Mount Gerizim and tells this parable. (laughs) So this was kind of a strategic move on Jotham's part. Jotham says in verse 8, The trees set out to anoint a king over themselves. They said to the olive tree, reign over us. But the olive tree said to them, Should I stop producing my oil with which they honor God and man by me and go to wave back and forth over the trees? So before I move further in this parable, Jotham's like, look, One day the trees decided they needed a king. (laughs) And here's what's funny about that. I'm surrounded by trees, okay? And the trees don't have a king. I'm looking at them right now. They don't have a king. They don't need a king. Each tree is self-sufficient. They do their own thing. They grow up. They produce their own leaves. Why would they need a king? All the trees need is what God gives them. That's all they need. He's saying that Israel is like the trees. They just need God to sustain them. They don't need a king. But nonetheless, the trees decided they needed a king. And so they ask the olive tree first. They say, hey, olive tree, come be our king. And you know, an olive tree is a nice stately tree. It produces olives and olive oil. And so the olive tree is like, no, why would I be your king? Why would I abandon my calling to produce my olives and my oil to be a king over you that just waves back and forth, you know, among the trees. Why would I do that? And so the olive tree declines. And so next, the trees say to the fig tree, come and reign over us. And the fig tree says to them, 
Should I leave my sweetness and my good fruit and go wave back and forth over the trees? And so the olive tree and the fig tree don't want to do that. They don't want to give the other trees shade and, you know, take all the responsibility on themselves to shade these trees and make these other trees live in, you know, comfort under their branches. Instead, the olive tree and the fig tree want to do what they were initially called to do, to make fruit, right? So then the trees go to a different type of plant and they say to the vine, come and reign over us. And the vine says to them, should I leave my new wine, which cheers God and man and go wave back and forth over the trees? So the vine is like, no, that's not the position for me. I need to make grapes that are produced into this delicious wine that cheers God and man. And I don't want to shade you with my leaves. So then the trees say finally to the bramble, come and reign over us. A bramble bush is something with prickers. I just went through blackberry season. I like to go pick blackberries when they're in season because they're everywhere. They're all over the place in, in my backyard. And so I go into the woods and I dress very, very, very well in very thick clothing to go pick blackberries because Blackberry picking is actually not very fun because the stickers, the the prickers stick into your skin and they've got these sharp little hooks on them and they're terrible. And a bramble does not grow very tall. They kind of grow outward. They don't get very tall, though. Like some of them can get kind of tall, but for the most part, the brambles are at the bottom and the trees are way at the top. And so it'd be just silly, you know, for a tree to look down at a bramble bush and be like, hey, you know, you useless thing, why don't you, <laughs> why don't you become our king? And if this bramble, let me just tell you, if a bramble bush is not producing any blackberries, which a lot of them do not, they're actually basically useless. They are good for absolutely nothing. <laughs> and uh, the only thing they're good for is to actually just be cut down if they don't produce blackberries. And that's what what I do with them. If they don't produce blackberries, I literally snip them off. My husband and I are actually working to produce a little footpath in my woods. And that's what we do with the bramble bushes. We take our clippers and we go and we clip the bramble bushes down because that's the only thing they're good for if they're not producing any kind of fruits. So it'd be just silly for a tree to ask a bramble bush, hey, you should be our king because what could a bramble bush do for a tree? Could do nothing. And that's what this is, you know, Jotham's parable here is so deep. It's, it's really deep. I don't know if he thought of it ahead of time. I don't know if this was like prophecy from the Holy Spirit, which I think it is. I, I That's kind of where I'm leaning on Jotham's parable is that it was prophecy from the Holy Spirit. What would happen to Abimelech? And Abimelech, by the way, is the bramble. So the bramble in verse 15 says to the trees, If in truth you anoint me king over you, then come and take refuge in my shade. (laughs) And if not, let fire come out of the bramble and devour the cedars of Lebanon. So the bramble kind of makes this threat to these beautiful trees that ask it to be its king. The bramble's like, yeah, absolutely, I will be your king. And I'm going to shade all of you guys, which is silly in and of itself because a bramble doesn't shade anything. You know, it's low to the ground. And the bramble says, if not, let fire come out of the bramble and devour the cedars of Lebanon. 
So I think the point that Jotham is trying to make with this parable is that, A, Abimelech is the bramble. Abimelech is good for nothing. (laughs) And also he's going to cause destruction with the fire that comes out of him, basically. So then Jotham afterward says in verses 16 to 20 to conclude, he says, you know, Abimelech, if you have been acting righteously by killing my 70 brothers, and see, that's where that's where I think that both Abimelech and Jotham were not included in the 70 brothers, because it says very clearly that Abimelech killed 70 people and Jotham also says the same thing. He says, uh, you killed 70 of our father's sons is what it says. So he says, you know, if you have done right in killing my 70 sons, then you men of Shechem that have decided to make Abimelech your king rejoice over Abimelech. But he says, if not, let fire come out from the men of Shechem and devour Abimelech. And that's how he ends his speech. And it says after that, he flees to this area of beer or bear. And he lives there for fear of Abimelech, his brother. Shockingly, this is the last time we're going to hear of Jotham. He's kind of just done after this. We don't know much about this man at all. We know almost nothing about him other than that he was a son of Gideon and he did some prophecy, (laughs) spoiler alert, against Abimelech. That's really all we know. But I think the moral of the story is it says that, you know, Jotham fled his brother and he had to wait. He had to wait in this area called Bear for the prophecy against Abimelech to actually happen. And we're going to find out that it takes many years, actually, for this prophecy to come true. So honestly, I can't even imagine how Jotham was feeling, you know, hiding away for several years, waiting for his half-brother Abimelech to be overthrown so he can come out of hiding. I can't even imagine how difficult it was for Jotham to go through that. But God eventually does show justice to Jotham and Jotham's family as well. So even though sometimes it seems like we are just waiting for God to right wrongs in our life. God will eventually do it. It says in scripture that he is the God of justice and he shows fairness and justice to everybody. But sometimes we have to wait for God's timing on things. (laughs) So um, we're going to talk about the next portion of this on Monday. I hope you all have been enjoying the book of Judges. I certainly have. I think it's a fantastic book of the Bible. It is not only interesting, but it is just amazing seeing God's love for people, for terrible people. Basically every single chapter of Judges so far. Well, guys, I'm going to let you all go. I hope you have a really, really wonderful Friday and also a great weekend as well. Happy listening and God bless.